This episode of the Music Stuff Show is brought to you by Dupe Loops, your weekly curated drum loop library. If you're writing music, building tracks, or programming beats, dupeloops.com is the place to start. They deliver 10 new drum loops directly to your inbox every Monday, so you can spend less time searching for the right sounds and more time making music. Each loop is always available in stereo and multi-track formats, always fresh, and they are never recycled. And for a limited time, they are offering a 7-day free trial period with every plan. So visit dupeloops.com, that's D-U-P-E-L-O-O-P-S.com, and start your free trial today to receive 10 new multi-track drum loops per week, every week. On this episode of the Music Stuff Show, we examine the role your gear truly plays in your business and in your career. We present some compelling arguments in support of the less is more philosophy, look at some out-of-the-box ways to access the tools you need, and we discuss why waiting on the right equipment before you move forward is never the right play. Please enjoy this episode of The Music Stuff Show. Screw your gear. Welcome to The Music Stuff Show, where we break down the business of music to help you build a career doing what you love. I'm Tom, and with me as always, like Garth to Wayne, (laughs) or more like Wayne to Garth probably, is Vance. Hello. Hey, dude. No witty ones today. No witty ones? Going for a normal approach. You're all business. All business today. Biz, no pledge. Because today's topic has no jokes. That's true. We're not here to joke, people. But we're not there yet because I do still have some interesting information to talk about. Okay. I am excited because today's not some random, irrelevant fact. So, how familiar are you with The Boring Company? I am familiar. I follow Elon Musk on Twitter and have seen some of the recent uh, flamethrower numbers. So I want to talk about this. Also, if you're following along, this might not be relevant by the time this airs. And if you haven't figured it out yet, we pre-record these episodes. Face. So I'll still send the link to the website, but you might not be able to buy a flamethrower anymore. Yeah, I think they're about out as at the time of recording anyway. Yes. Anywho, so The Boring Company, I recall seeing a while ago. I don't know if it was a couple weeks, a couple months. And I thought they were selling t-shirts or hats or something super simple. Hats, I think. I didn't look into it. I knew that uh, Elon was doing it. And honestly, I thought he was just trolling on the world because he's Elon. And I thought it was boring as in, this is no fun. This event is boring. Mm -hmm. And I recently did some more digging after the flamethrowers to find out that it means boring as in boring through the earth. Like a groundhog. (laughs) Yeah. Or some other creature that bores through the earth. Well, it's not enough to drive cars on the ground anymore. We have to drive them in the ground. Yeah. If you don't have a clue what we're talking about and you miss this whole thing, Elon Musk is selling flamethrowers to raise money. What's funny is that he, I think he did it as a joke, like he said it as a joke to begin with. And he's like, if we sell 10,000 hats, well, we're going to sell a flamethrower. And then they sold 10,000 hats. He's like, crap, now I got to make this flamethrower. Screw it. I'm going to make 20,000 of them and sell them. It's incredible. Sure enough. (laughs) They're selling. So if you don't know what this is about, I I will put the link in the show notes because I think it's actually super fascinating. And I would love to hear you guys' opinions, even though this has nothing to do with the music stuff show. I, I disagree a little bit right there. Do you? I think it can have something to do with the music stuff show. I like the, it. This episode is going to be about gear, and we'll get to that in a second. But I think the relevant point to be made is that often it may not matter specifically what you sell as long as you're creating brand awareness. 
Now, it has to be within the like realm of what you're doing in a certain fashion. Like the what's funny about this is that it it doesn't fit at all and that's kind of the irony of it, but like if you're a band or an artist and like let's just say you wanted to sell like um limited edition 8-bit uh canvas prints of your face. You know what I mean? Like some sort of like 8-bit Andy Warhol type picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh 30 inches by 40 inches uh on canvas and you made a hundred of them. Well, if you have a dedicated following fan base, like somebody might find the immense value in that. And like, I'm going to sell each one of these for 200 bucks and you might sell out of them because people think it's funny and they think it's cool. And it's like, Oh dude, there's only like a hundred of these, man. Oh yeah. That's that limited edition TD three that I got. He only sold like a hundred of them and I just went and got it. Cause I'm, I'm a big fan. It's, I think it's funny. I do think it is probably going to be worth a, uh, solid case study in yeah. in a rabid fan base and what you can do because I'm curious to see once the flamethrowers sell out what the next ridiculous thing he'll sell is. So again, if you still have no idea what this is, the whole thing that's happening, Elon Musk is selling ridiculous stuff uh, in order to fund research and in the long run, a company that will build tunnels under the ground uh, as a way of mass transit uh, to build the loop and the hyperloop, which I also didn't realize were two different things. What's the loop? The loop is the short-term version, uh. Uh, which I can't remember is somewhere between like 150 and 200 miles. Uh, okay. Probably comparable to a bullet train. Uh, whereas the hyperloop is what does the vacuum seal uh, and can go up to like 600 miles an hour. And Dang. I can't remember what they said. I think it was like New York to DC and, half an hour or something like that hell yeah uh, <laughs> so yeah all about it yeah that's gonna be great until one of those things derails no, well, i'm not gonna put that in the universe i hope it works yeah. honestly i'd rather do that than fly and again i'm not gonna take the entire episode to talk about this i'm just super hyped on it um so what's the what's the fun fact in there that i just wanted people to know about the boring company okay that's the only fact is that it, it exists <laughs> number one at the time of this recording, you could be buying a flamethrower for $500 and past that the money is going to research and potentially long-term development of tunneling transportation. Because I guess the argument is that with congestion of major cities, the only mm-hmm. two options to go are to go up into the sky. And I also appreciate in the articles because it's never a, oh, that's not an option. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, oh, it concerns people. So there's holdups. And... On top of that, you still have to do it the weather. Yeah. Versus if you go below the earth, uh, I think it's at like 22 feet or something like that. The surface won't actually, uh, like you won't feel the vibrations of them tunneling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's working on cutting the costs of it in half at this point because that's one of the big holdups people have is that it's an expensive process. I think he's also made the argument. Uh, against flying cars, he said, because if a flying car breaks down, it falls on your head. There's yeah. like an interview where he talks about that. He's like, you don't want to be walking through the street and have a car fall on your head. It's true. Like, That's fair. Elon, God, man, making points. He does. He also makes a pretty compelling argument about how, uh, I guess, I don't know if this is relevant to the uh, how many people we currently have, but just how 
it's basically limitless in its potential right now, mm-hmm. especially for the amount of people that yeah. currently exist and just the ability to scale the project uh, over the course of time. Yeah. So I'm super fascinated to see how it goes, but I like just it. wanted to talk about it. I've been I've been toying around with this idea this week uh, since I've seen you last of switching from random facts to just finding interesting things that I think people want to know about. Fair. That I mean, that is your department. Interesting, factual, whatever. I'll leave it to you and your expertise. Quotation, factual. <laughs> yeah. Did you know so-and-so um, once said? Um, I heard at a party from a brother, sister's cousin's <laughs> yeah. aunt. Former roommate. Uh, so this episode of the Music Stuff Show. To what get are we talking about, it, Tom? We're going to talk about gear. And about how yeah. important it is. Yes and no. Uh, we've been alluding to this idea uh, over the course of several previous episodes. Um, my argument, the the angle that I'm coming from, is that uh, you don't need all the gear you think you need to start making music. What? If you're... Now, there are certain caveats to add. Like, if you're a guitar player, yeah, you have to have a guitar. If you're a drummer, you need to have a drum kit Uh if you're going to record your voice, you need to have a microphone, et cetera. But to start making music, you like you need a phone. That's it. You need your phone. You don't need the we. Uh, I think in one of the earlier episodes we said uh, don't don't have the mentality of I I can't get started until I have X or until I do X. There is no barrier to creativity anymore. There's no barrier to recorded music anymore. Uh, if you have a smartphone, and again, said this before, odds are if you're listening to us, you have a smartphone. Probably on a smartphone. Right. And you, in all likelihood, are listening to this on a smartphone. So under the assumption that you have a smartphone, if you have nothing else, no other piece of gear at all, and you want to make music... You have everything you need already. Again, this is under the assumption that you're good. If you're not good, you still have everything you need, but you're going to have to just figure it out. Um, if you're, if you have a phone, you have seemingly unlimited apps. I know that it is a limited number, but you have tons of music apps that you have available to you. Uh, many of them with are free or or have free trials, and the ones that are paid generally are probably going to be like $5 or less. So let's say you spend 20 bucks and you get four apps or, or more that are awesome and you can make them all work together. In my opinion, if you want to start anywhere paying for anything music related, get GarageBand on your phone. It's a great app. They've recently updated it. You can do a lot on GarageBand on your phone. You'd be amazed. Uh, the only thing really uh, quality quality wise i think that you're going to be working that might be a little tougher to work with on your phone is going to be recording your voice however if you're good at what you do my belief is that you probably can figure that out and figure out how to make it work uh go stand in your closet and uh surround yourself with some clothing so it's completely dead sound put your phone at a nice reasonable distance that makes sense that you don't pop it out and start singing. And if you hit your notes well, you won't have to tune it. And if you have good timing, you won't have to time it. And then you can edit and mix it all on your phone there, on top of your beat, on top of your track that you've made. And 
voila, you have some music. I, in my in my opinion, it really is that simple. I don't think that I don't think you need to worry about going out and buying thousands of dollars of gear to get started. I think we're talking to two different kinds of people today, <clears throat> just to kind of give some separation. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that was all towards the novice musician wanting to get in from ground zero. I think there's two kinds of people that run into this issue. I think there are uh, starting out artists or new artists uh, that don't have as much experience and see big artists with tons of gear and forget that they've acquired that over the past 10, 15, 20 years right. uh, through the course of a career. And just because they have that doesn't mean they need that. And mm-hmm. I think the other side is uh, maybe some more seasoned musicians mm-hmm. that, to be fair, if you love collecting gear and have the uh, money to spend on it, I won't tell you not to if sure. that's how you want to spend your disposable income, but you don't need it. And also from a touring standpoint, if you, it's just not fiscally responsible in my opinion. No. If you are not making a lot of money, if you complain about not making a lot of money, it shows you don't need to take eight guitars. If you're a quote broke musician, you have no business owning that amount of guitars. Agreed. You don't. Agreed. Um, you really shouldn't be investing, and I'm using that term loosely right now, investing in a bunch of new gear or or used gear or whatever, uh, new to you, a bunch of new gear unless you have unless you have a viable business that supports you financially and it and you have that disposable income to do that because it's yes the, i mean i'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of the um of the different sounds and tones that you get out of each specific piece of gear and the importance of like modern versus vintage or digital and analog and all that that's not what we're here to talk about um, we're here to talk about how you can make a living, how you can have a career doing what you love. And the way to do that, again, is to maximize your revenue and minimize your overhead. And a great place to start with that is not buying a ton of gear all the time. Like I said this before we recorded and uh, got a little laugh out of man. So I'll say it again. I see all you Craigslist commandos out there. Mm trading guitar pedals and uh throwing around outboard gear like oh, i want this 500 series unit and or i want this new snare drum and these hi-hats and whatever like you are you're wasting your money if if in, if you are in a position where you're making plenty of money go ahead do that yeah figure out what you like get more of it go go ham but if you are not if you're still if you still have a side gig cuz you don't make enough making music or you're barely scraping by as a musician even though you're doing it full time like stop doing that. Not only are you wasting your money buying new stuff, you're wasting your time like flipping gear, meeting people in parking lots, checking the like what's on Craigslist, like all that stuff. It's just like it is a waste of time and money for you. You your sole focus should be improving your revenue by creating more content with what you currently have. Well, and you're also feeding yourself a lie because, again, and I'm not talking to the gear collector, like, if you have the money and you love collecting gear, like, do your thing. But I feel like I also meet a lot of people that are just kind of chasing the dragon. <laughs> totally, yeah. It, it, that can, it can become an addiction. While instruments are fun, it's a, a tool in what we do, 
It is just that. It is a tool. Mm -hmm. And having a different guitar, while it will change the feel of a song, is not going to change whether that is a good or bad song. It is not going to change whether or not it is the right part for that song. Mm -hmm. And again, it can change a feel, and I get the argument and whatever. But if you're on a tour bus, if you're playing arenas, do what you want. Like, yeah. You don't need us. But if you are trying to build a career, if you're struggling with money, the fastest way to help yourself be able to overcome that is to get your expenses down. Yeah. The sooner you can get your expenses down, you can have the freedom to not need to make three grand a month if you're constantly trying to buy gear. Mm-hmm. And every every piece of gear you get carries with it uh, an inherent overhead as well, changing heads and strings, brakes, tubes, repairs, tubes, all that stuff. It's like all of it is liability. What you're taking on with every new gear purchase is a little bit more financial liability for this stuff. Not to mention, like, you're going to have to insure it. You should be insuring it, by the way. Whatever gear you have, if you have uh, any reasonable amount of gear, should be insured. So, pretty sure you can do that as a band if you want to collectively yeah. go in. Music Pro Insurance, I think, is. Like yeah, music. we'll double check the link, but yeah, we'll throw it in the show we'll notes. Throw that in the show notes. It's a great tool. It's pretty cheap, too. I think it's only like 25 bucks a month or something for like an, an astronomical amount of coverage. Like, mm-hmm. you can cover a lot of stuff. But, um, yeah, don't, don't waste your time playing the flip game. Um, take what you have and use that to make stuff. And when, when you do recognize a time that you are in need of something specific, I would, I would take the time to really narrow down specifically what that is that you need. Like, okay, I need, like, I need a bass, right? Like I, I personally need a bass in my studio. Uh, I don't have one. So I'm going to do a little research and I'm going to figure out exactly what I need and what fits my price point, And then I'm going to get a base, but I'm not going to go out and get one right now. And then turns out it's not what I want. So I'm going to flip that and I'm going to go get another one. I'm not going to waste my time doing all that. I'm going to take a little bit extra time to do the research and I'm going to get one that I like and that I know is going to serve the most overall purposes for me. And then once I get that bass, I'm going to learn how to use it. Like I'm going to learn how to get that specific instrument to sound the best for specific purposes rather than saying like, well, it doesn't have the tone I need for this. I'm like, all right, well, how can I get the closest I need to get to what I'm looking for out of this particular instrument rather than going and buying a new one? Because I'm not rolling in the dough to the point that I think it's appropriate for me to go buy out, buy three or four bass guitars just because I want to have different sounds. For sure. Yeah. It's funny. I, I was talking to my buddy. His name's Matt Cass. He's an incredible producer out of Nashville, Tennessee. If you were looking for some banging tracks. Shout should, out. Shout out, Matt. Love you, bud. Um, so him and I were having a conversation the other day. He was telling me about this documentary that I have not had a chance to watch yet. Um, and I can't remember what it's called. I'll figure it out. Put that in the show notes, too. But it was about minimalism. Um, Is it just called minimalism? It might be. There's one called minimalism on Netflix that I've watched. These two guys. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what like, it was. Speaking bookstores and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what he was I think telling me. It's just about. called minimalism. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. He uh, 
But one of the things he was telling me about that I found really interesting is that this huge concept with these guys that are into minimalism is after you kind of get the excess stuff out of your life, looking at everything around you and saying, being able to honestly say, does this add value to my life? Yeah. And I would argue that if you are thinking about whether you need a piece of gear for something, kind of even taking that question a little bit further of, is this truly going to add value to what I'm doing and in turn bring more revenue because I bought this specific piece of gear? Yep. Or is this a want? And again, if it's Christmas, your birthday, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever other holidays people buy, Valentine's Day, I don't know, whatever people buy you gifts for and, you know, not talking about that stuff. I want to drive this home. We're talking to the person that is trying to build a career that doesn't have the disposable income Mm -hmm. to have that. But being honest with yourself and looking at it and being able to say, is this going to directly bring me more revenue because I have this and didn't have it before? Whereas I would honestly say most people would get more value. And you don't need this if you have a phone. But for argument's sake, I think most uh, musicians, artists would get more value out of a camera than they would out of a piece of musical equipment in terms of yeah. throwing the net farther for their audience. Uh, I think I'm going to argue against that a little bit and say not necessarily camera. I would uh, make sure you have a recent within the last three years smartphone that's going to have a good enough camera on it. I would argue that you should. That's fair. I would argue that instead of investing in a specifically a camera, you should invest in maybe a couple of camera accessories. Mm. Um, get I a, think that's a you know fair what I mean? argument. Get a tripod. They have these new, like there's like three or four Kickstarters out now for all these uh, new like automated little uh, camera dollies and stuff mm-hmm. that are all coming out, which are really you cool. You can get gimbals for your phone. Yeah, get that. Uh, get, uh, go invest in like some $20 uh, Home Depot lights and get some, you know, white gels from Amazon and some clothes pins and create a lighting setup for when you want to record like acoustic videos or just like talking mm-hmm. to the camera videos just to make things look a little bit more polished. I would invest it into developing the visual presence of your brand. Perfect. Perfectly put. Yeah. I whatever, totally whatever that hole is, I think if you, and again, if you have the baseline gear to do your job, investing that same money into your online visual presence so more people can know you exist. I think this yeah. applies if you're a band, if you're a rapper, if you're a DJ, if you're a solo artist. Yep. I think if you are a instrumentalist looking for a band, like who are those drummers that have like millions of followers? Like Luke Holland. Luke Holland, um, uh, Matt McGuire, Cobus. Guys that literally... Casey Cooper's the best at it. He's, <laughs> uh, he's out of Atlanta. He's a uh, Cooper drummer on YouTube. He's got like 1.5 million followers on on YouTube. All God these guys it. started making YouTube cover videos that if you're not in a band and you're like, man, I wish I was playing, but I just can't find anybody because I'm in a small town and there's nobody else that's really doing it. Okay. So don't stick to your town. Like yeah. the goat access the world. Be the so undeniably good. Yep. That a already established band can find your video and be like, oh man, we needed a drummer anyway. Yep. Perfect. 
Like, everybody wins. Yep. But if people don't know that you're great at what you do and don't know that you're out there doing it, how can they hire you? Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a simple thing that people forget. Like, if I don't know that you're an amazing drummer, I can't call you. Or at least try and find your info. If I don't know you exist, the next time I'm working on a project and I'm like, oh, the drummer that was supposed to play fell out or something happened, or this was last minute and yep. the normal guy can't be here. Like the the things are endless. Mm-hmm. But you would be amazed that if you are capable and people know that you're capable and you're ready uh, and can be fluid, mm-hmm. you know, in last minute situations and you can be the person that saves the day, Yep, you'll never stop getting called after that day. Yeah, that's true. yeah i think this um i think this the anti-flipping gear all the time argument extends up a little bit higher than maybe uh one would expect i think uh once once you're to a point once you're in some rarefied air is really when you can start when you should start uh tossing stuff back and forth or just collecting more i think that if you're even if you're playing a lot of shows all the time and you're making a reasonable income, I still think you should say you should save your money. And here's why I think that if you were at that level, say you're a band, let's just say like you're a four piece rock band, two guitars, bass drums. And I think everybody in that band should have, I think the drummer should have a, a drum kit, a drum kit. And that's it. I don't think he has any business having a bunch of extra cymbals and snares. You should have a backup snare and a backup kick pedal. You're welcome, drummers. I think every guitar player on that stage should have an amp and a couple guitars. Two. Because, yeah, you need to have specifically two. You need to have a backup or for different tunings. I think that you guys should probably carry um, a backup amp. Uh, This is all road stuff. Um, And a backup guitar amp, not a backup bass amp. Bass can go direct. And then that's it. Because I think that you're going to... Not even an amp. Just bring backup tubes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, bring 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 a repair kit for your amp. Uh, I think that that's all you need. I think you don't have any business buying anything else for a while until you, if you have a tech on the road, if you can afford to have a tech who's taking care of all that gear for you, then you might be in a position where you can start to think about getting some additional stuff, but not before that, not before you can pay for somebody else to take care of it out there. And the reason is, Anytime, anything you're playing on stage, you're not going to be switching out guitars and amps because of their tone for the most part. You're certainly not going to be switching out amps for their tone at that stage. The only time you're going to be looking for different sounds out of guitars or specific amps or specific snare drums is when you're in the studio. And if you are at that level, you're going to have the budget to go to a studio that has that stuff available for you to use. You don't need to own it to be able to access it. Or... If you're recording in a studio that's in a music town, you can go to an SIR or something like that and rent the snare drum you want, rent the amp you want for that session, rent it for the day, and then take it back. And you'll save yourself a ton of money in the long run, and you don't have the overhead, the upkeep to worry about it, and you'll have everything you need to succeed at your craft, and you'll have access to everything you need to make the record that you want to make without the overhead and the headache of worrying about taking care of it. Even if you're not in a music town, 
Yeah, even to if be you're fair, because I think that's a misconception too for a lot of people. If they're like, I'm not New York, L.A., Nashville, sure, Chicago, whatever. Um, I think there's a misconception of like, oh, well, we don't have those resources, and that is not true. If you if you can get to a guitar center, guitar center does rentals. I know do they they I do. Didn't, I didn't know that. Other music stores, not all of them, but some of them do rentals. Also, you know, and this is where the power of Google comes in. Like, you just got to look it up. Yeah. Because I have done events in random places that I expected to have trouble finding stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, people tour everywhere, especially in the States. I, I don't have as much personal experience in other countries. But yeah, in the States, most major cities have some form of equipment rental company that is local yeah that is not as expensive as you think it is especially if you are like vance our sound i need this amp i don't need 10 amps but for what we're trying to do the sound we're trying to create i know it's this one i've played it at the store i just can't afford it it's not in my budget yet most of that stuff is way cheaper to rent for a day so be prepared be efficient you know and don't Mm -hmm. need it for a long amount of time but if you are just absolutely hell-bent on, I have to have this thing, you can probably find that. It's not as bad as you think it is. Yeah, probably so. And taking a, a step further, maybe to the side, let's say you're in a place that doesn't have access to that stuff. Well, if you are, if you're not the only band in town, then odds are you're friends with another band, another artist who has gear that's different from yours. Mm-hmm. You can play the borrow game. If you're if you need it to record, I I kind of tend against the borrow game for live shows unless you're really in a pinch, um, because you're going to be putting a lot more wear and tear, especially on stuff that has electronic components. You're going to putting a lot of wear and tear on that, and if it breaks un, under your care, you you're going to have to fix it. So I kind of tend against that unless you're in a pinch. But um, I think, and maybe we don't want to do this. Maybe this is a different time. I do think there are some general etiquette rules in regards to that. Yeah, maybe we'll get, well, I think we'll get to that maybe later in this episode even, but possibly another time. I don't know. Keep going. Um, yeah, on my, on my tear here, I think that, um, you know, you're going to have, odds are you have friends who are artists or bands and uh, play the borrow game. Or if that doesn't work, like offer to pay them to rent their gear. It's like if, if your musician friends are more than likely going to take 50 bucks for you to use their amp for a day. It's like, yeah, man, I'm not going to use it on Thursday. You can use it. 50 bucks? I'll take it. Like, man, they probably let you use it longer for a day for prob- that. Probably would. <laughs> so take advantage of your network. We've talked about network before, and we're going to talk about it plenty more times. Take advantage of your network. I, honestly, I would argue that that's probably the place to start ahead of everything else uh, unless you are at a certain budgetary level. Mm-hmm. Just because it's going to save you money and it's going to foster relationships, which I think are always a good thing. Yeah. Community, man. Yeah. So important. And honestly, I think sometimes gets so overlooked in the early certain cities of the musical world. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to pivot a little bit here and kind of go back to away from people that are touring and you know, kind of have been on the grind back to people starting out that if you are still having some insecurity on the gear thing, I was thinking about this. Um, I feel like there's some irony where 
when you're starting out, you are like, oh, I need all this great stuff to make something sound good. Because if it's not great, then, you know, I won't be able to make a good sounding record. Right. And so then you kind of go down this rabbit hole and you buy all this gear and then you have it. And then you find out, oh, my record still doesn't sound good because I never got good at making records and it had (laughs) nothing to do with the gear. Right. But then you look at some of the most top tier people and I'm going to see if I can find the article. It was a long time ago, so I hope I'm not making this up, but I'm pretty sure. So people like Butch Walker, Mm -hmm. where if you don't know who Butch Walker is, you should probably go look up Butch Walker. Yeah. Who is an artist, has been in a ton of bands, but bigger than that has probably made a decent chunk of your favorite songs on the radio over the, the past 10, 15 years. Yep. Uh, anyway, incredible producer. I don't know him personally, but everything I've ever seen is a super cool dude. Um, but people like that that are making ginormous pop records, like he does stuff with Fallout Boy and Pink and Kelly Clarkson and all those people. And I'm pretty sure I've read articles where uh, like sometimes he'll pull out a guitar that was like a $50 guitar from Sears mm-hmm. <laughs> because he was like, Oh, no, like it just works for the song. Yeah. And I I think there's some real strong value in that of always driving that focus back to what's right for the song, not what makes me feel more confident because there was more zeros in this gear and I look like I'm better because my stuff says money and, you know, people's internal psychological thinking is, oh, if they have money, they must be successful, which is a lie yeah. and a facade. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's, uh, that's a place that's probably going to be a place of contention in the comments section, because I think a lot of gearheads make the argument that the reason I have so much gear is because I'm trying to do what's right for the song. And I think that's a fair argument. However, I think that the uh, importance of, sustaining yourself at your craft, sustaining yourself at your craft trumps the having what's available and right for the song from a gear perspective. I think you are better suited to use the tools that you currently have available to create what's right for the song rather than going out and spending money on something that you think is right for the song. I also think that people uh, take a far more limited view of what they have is capable of. Yeah, that's true. Where I, I think if you get in that mindset of, oh, I have a telly. I can only do country songs on this thing. Right. That's a lie. Right. Uh, it's like, oh, well, this is what I always use it for. This is the only thing I can use it for. Yeah. And, you know, and again, like, I'm not going to get into a argument with folks. Like, I get it. Things sound differently. But I do believe that you can push one guitar and one amp way farther in a lot of different musical directions mm-hmm. than most people give it credit if you would just focus on making what you have sound awesome and yeah. playing amazing parts that are right for the song. Totally agree. Yeah, I I think the if I could umbrella this episode with one thing, it is this statement. Get good at using the tools that you currently have available to you. Say it again, Tom. Get good at using the tools that you currently have available to you. Mm. Don't waste your time 
thinking that if I just had this thing, I could do better. If I just had this thing, I could make the music I want to. If I could only get access to this studio or this person, whatever, like you have everything you need to make the best thing that you can possibly make right now. So make that thing. Stop procrastinating. Stop chasing the idea of perfection before it goes out. Use what you have and do the best you can with it and learn all the ins and outs of what you have. You ask any seasoned professional musician who's been at it for a long time and they will tell you, man, no matter how much I learn, I'll never know it all and I'll never be the best. And that's the same for knowing your gear. Like you're as a singer, you're never going to access every single bit of what your voice can do. You're always going to be learning how to use it differently. All right. Great example. Great example. Uh, there's a, a show that came out uh, top of the year or close to top of the year on Facebook watch their new, uh, platform, mm-hmm. uh, at the time of recording relatively new. Um, and it's about Tom Brady. Have you watched any of these episodes? Mm-mm. So it's uh it's called Tom versus Time and it's about the fact that he's 40 and still in the league, still crushing it and he uh in the second episode he is working with a coach to refine his throwing technique. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, "Guys like Tom Brady and other elite level quarterbacks don't show up to get 5% better. They show up to get 1% better." Mm. And that is the same, that's the exact same mindset when it comes to creating art, making music. Show up to get 1% better at running logic. Show up to get 1% better at singing, to get 1% better at your rudiments on the drum pad. But use what you have available to you to improve that 1%. In that episode where Tom Brady's working on his throwing, mm-hmm. um, he... uh he spends what seems to be an, a, a lot of time without a football in his hand, simply working on the pivot of his hips. Mm. He, the tools available to him in that moment are quite literally nothing that needs to be purchased. Mm-hmm. He's just working on his body and how to make it work most effectively for him. Mm-hmm. Same thing can be said for working with an instrument, working with your voice. Use what you have. Don't go out and spend more money to get better. Use what you have and get better at that first. Also, I think there's a misconception of people at the top. Um, I think everybody thinks like, oh, they made it, they're rich, they're famous, they party, all they do is have fun all day long. And that is so far from the truth. No, those people work even harder. Like the people who party all the time, if they do get to the top, they don't stay there. And honestly, even people whose brand is built on partying don't party as much as you think they do. Totally. You know, obviously there's exceptions and there are people that party. I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but if we're talking like a level artists, Mm -hmm. those people are on such a tight regimen that revolves around them being at their physical best, Mm -hmm. their mental best, their show's best. Like everything is built around being able to be sustainable in, this is going to be one of those things that I don't have facts for it was a hearsay thing a bus driver told me this years ago (laughs) um and i never really listened to marilyn manson anyway so this is all weird references for me but john five uh guitarist from marilyn manson right Mm -hmm. yeah i think he was telling me this old school bus driver that 
he had driven for them for a while. And the rest of the band would party. But John Five, any city they went to, he would call the top three uh, guitar teachers in that city. And whoever was available, he would go practice with. That's awesome. I love that. You know, like, yeah. And again, not necessarily like it's never been my thing, but like a huge, huge band, Mm -hmm. you know, that maybe isn't as relevant in 2018, but has been. And I I mean, he's still at the almost, I mean, he's not headlining the big festivals, but he's like, you know, direct or just under that support every time. He's still a massive, massive mm -hmm. brand. So an artist on that level that has been at that level for a long time now. Yeah. That seemingly, by most people's perceptions, should just be able to show up and do what they do. Phone it in. Still constantly pushing themselves to be the best at what they do. Yep. And which comes back to a theme we've talked about before. But at the end of the day, be the best at what you do. Because people that are trying to get famous to get famous, you will never make it. Or if you do, it'll be such a short flame because all it will be is a headline. Versus just being the best at what you do. And then people are going to gravitate towards that anyway. It's the truth. Yeah. People are going to, people are going to come to you for the art, for the experience, for the brand. And they're not going to come to you because you have a really nice, expensive guitar collection. Like Eric Clapton. Amazing, amazing performer, singer, guitar player, songwriter across the board. I couldn't tell you what guitars he has. I'm not a guitar player, but I I know he has a strat. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't tell you, but that's about it. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. So, and if you and he and he's massive, (laughs) like if you're iconic, I would argue. Yeah. If you're if you're working your way up, I guarantee you they don't care what you made your beats on. Yeah. Like nobody cares. Like I watched a, I remember watching a video with Skrillex. He was like splitting, like breaking down a track. Uh, it was, what track was it? It was the where are you now track with Justin Bieber. He and Diplo, they did this like really cool video about, they were breaking it down and Skrillex was just like sitting there with his laptop and just like hitting away at the keyboard, changing parameters and like playing in beats, like replicating what he was doing, just like all on the keyboard of his laptop. And they have like a, a sample pad or like an MPC or anything like that. Like he was just doing it all keyboard mm-hmm. and rocking it, programming this sick beat, making this killer track all on the keyboard. Didn't need anything external. It Dude, just, he does half his stuff on the road in hotel rooms on a laptop. Right. Exactly. That's like, exactly my point. Like he doesn't <laughs> have to. Yeah. He has a studio. Yeah, sure. But, like he, he he can afford all the gear he wants now, but what does he use? And is still using his laptop. his laptop on the road. That's it. He said that um I think his first EP he mixed on he mixed on monitors coming out of a Y splitter in the headphone jack of his laptop. That's how he mixed that first EP that he put out. <laughs> that crushed and changed everything. He didn't, he didn't use some expensive outboard gear with like a word clock and great uh, conversion. (laughs) He went to like Radio Shack that was probably still around at the time and got a Y splitter cable and plugged it into some speakers and mixed that freaking record and changed his life. Yeah. Go do that. Go get a Y splitter and change your life. No, don't (laughs) use what you have. Scratch that. Don't go get anything. (laughs) Don't buy anything. You understand the principle. Yeah. 
you know. The moral of the story, gear is not bad. No, gear is no, not bad. But if you were using it as a crutch to not hit publish, that's bad. Yeah. If you are continually purchasing and always wondering why don't I have any money to be able to pour into my business to actually focus on my business, yet you've got $20,000 worth of guitars sitting in your spare bedroom, I have some questions. (laughs) I have have questions. Dude, I want to make a t-shirt eventually for this show that just says hit publish on the front of it. Mm. That's all it's that's all it's gonna say is hit publish. I like that. Yeah. Sort of like the boring company hats. Mm. That's it. Yes. And I want people to to I want everybody to wear those t shirts around that mm. just says hit publish because that is like that's like the theme of this show. It really is. I think it, it like I think the theme of this show outside of like, you know, helping you build a business, et cetera, is uh hit publish and then Sub subtitle consistent quality content mm. like that is the whole message. It really is. Don't let anything stand in the way of that. Like trying to get the right gear. Yeah, we're. I mean, the whole point is to break down barriers. Yep. We're trying to take away every excuse of being scared to hit publish. Is really what it comes down to. Like all yeah. of these different factors we talk about every week, all of it comes back to a reason you won't hit publish. Mm-hmm. You know, and we want to eliminate that fear and break that down. Yeah. Because you don't have time for that. If, if there's any limitation to what you do, the only limitation to not creating consistent income as a musician, the if there's ever a limitation, it should only be the content I'm creating isn't good enough yet to earn enough revenue for me. No. And the way to fix that is to continue to make stuff. Yep. It's the only way to do it. Yeah. Keep boring holes. <laughs> Full circle, baby. What? Uh, Flamethrower EP dropping soon. Man. <laughs> That'd be awesome because you could have like the Elon Musk flamethrower, but then you could put the fire emoji coming out of it. I I really, really hope that somebody puts out a record this year and their album cover art is them holding that flamethrower. Man. I feel like it has to happen. I feel like somebody's music video... Yeah, who's oh, gonna that's have gonna that be in something? Yeah, I feel like it's gonna be Khaled and Elon Musk, right? With his own flamethrower, yeah. just <laughs> that'd be incredible, man. Oh man. Well, I think that's got got it about wrapped up for for the gear spit. I agree. Don't I mean, you think? I, I think we we drove the point home. Yeah. So I guess with that being said, uh, we will see you next Thursday. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys. Thanks again for listening to the show today. As always, you can find show notes and links from our episode on our website at themusicstuffshow.com. Also, please, please, please uh, connect with us. If there's ever any questions, any ways that we can help, you can find us all over social media at Music Stuff Show. You can also find myself and Tom personally all over the interwebs. I am at V-A-N-C-E-F-I-T-E and Tom is at T-O-M-D-U-P-R-E-E-I-I-I all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere you want to connect. 
the show is here for you. So any way that we can make your life a little bit better and get you closer to your dreams of your career in the music industry, we want to be a part of. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Thank you.